Welcome to All Things Alt Tech, a podcast about the digital ecosystem of today and alternative technologies of tomorrow. If you want to get the latest on tech, whether that be social networks, cryptocurrencies, gizmos or gadgets, scams or scandals, this podcast is for you. If you want to hear about privacy and free speech issues, or you just want some general banter on the creepy big tech industry, well, you've come to the right place. So strap in and enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Today is August 18th, 2020, and I'm back from the dead. Yes, I've taken a few weeks off to spend some time in nature. Much needed. But this week, we're going to talk about big tech, the TikTok ban, and how the US is wrecking its prospects for tech innovation. Now, we need to go back to the big tech hearing that took place in the US Congress in late July, where Bezos and Pichai and Zuckerberg and Tim Cook. Tim Cook, that is, were summoned and questioned. Now, it's interesting to look at their opening statements because they haven't really been covered all that much in the media. Now, if we start off with Mr. Bezos, Bezos, uh, he was basically trying to convey that, you know, he came from a loving family and he didn't necessarily come from money and that he's made his money as a hardworking entrepreneur. Well, Already at that point, I would pretty much say that is false. He enjoyed funding from his pretty wealthy family, for one thing. Now, he also emphasized that he offers third parties the opportunity to share the same online real estate that he's created. Well, not so. I mean, if anything, Amazon is basically a rent-seeking machine. You know, professional sellers, they will pay about 40 bucks a month just for the privilege of being on the platform. And that's regardless of how many items you sell. Now, Amazon also charges referral fees, and that could be anything from 8 to 15%. Actually, it can be even much higher than that. It can be up to 45% for Amazon device accessories. And on top of that, of course, there's fulfillment fees, there's storage fees and so forth. So it is some pretty expensive online real estate that Amazon is providing to its sellers. Bezos also took the opportunity to boast about the millions of sellers on Amazon. Well, part of the reason why there are millions of sellers on Amazon is because they don't have much of a choice. You know, Amazon commands the biggest footprint and it offers a lot of logistics, yes, now, you can say that Amazon is facilitating business for many small sellers, but the reality is that they have lured in a lot of sellers, and now, thanks to their dominant market position, they have captured the market. They have cornered small business, pretty much. So they are providing logistics in the same way that a police car provides free transportation. Now, Bezos also boasted about the hundreds of thousands of jobs that he's created but to be fair, those are low paid jobs mostly, and they offer minimal benefits. And as we know, Amazon works actively to prevent unionization. And the conditions in the warehouses, you know, they leave a lot to be desired. Also, you know, Amazon, they don't really nurture startups. I mean, to be honest with you, they steal ideas. And I actually have personal friends who have had their ideas stolen by Amazon. So in essence, what Bezos delivered here was this overly polished, embellished story of how he's helping small business. And he's, of course, trying to position himself as a champion for competition and a champion for small business success, whereas in reality, that's far from the, the reality. Now, moving on to Sunder, Sunder Pichai then, Sundar Pichai of Google fame, of course. 
Now, he, he was mentioning how he's proud of how many users choose Google's products. But already at that point, I mean, I got to stop it right there because, you know, many users aren't really choosing Google's products. As we know, Google works very hard to thwart competition, to buy competitors outright and so forth. And, you know, many users don't actually choose the Google products. They use them because they are heavily embedded into Android devices. And Google, of course, also works very hard to inject their software into their devices. For example, look at their Chromebooks. I mean, they are inserting these devices into schools to really try and lock in users from the earliest age possible. It's pretty distasteful, actually, when you really understand that agenda. And, you know, Pichai, he spoke about, you know, the free services that Google offers, such as Search, for example. But Search, as we all know, is not free. I mean, in, in essence, you are selling your data and you are paying for the search service by altering your product choices. And that's something that most users aren't really aware of. And yes, that does go for most users. That goes for most users. Your search behavior helps Google detect your purchase intent. And it's basically selling that intent to the highest bidder so that you buy their product. So search is free in the same way that a cow delivers its milk for free. Pichai also spoke about how he supports privacy laws, but that is BS as we know. You know, Google is working very hard to continually be able to store and harvest personal information. He also actually got a question about the conflict of interest between Google making money off of a query and Google serving relevant search results. And he basically got just a very wonky, canned response. I mean, in essence, Pichai was, he could have just as well read off of his script. So he wasn't able to respond in any substantive manner to this. And it, actually, this was one of the very few good questions. You know, how does Google juxtapose making money off of searches versus serving relevant search results? And they can't. Now, on to Zuckerberg then. Well, Zuckerberg, in his opening statement, he didn't say all that much of substance or certainly not that much that differed from what Pichai and Bezos said, but he pretty much came across as the most polished one of the bunch because he has been around the block in front of Congress before. Now, just a few words about Facebook. I mean, Zuckerberg bought Instagram in, an, in a basically totally anti-competitive manner. I mean, it was even described as a threat by Facebook during the time when they were planning the, the acquisition. And still to this day, the actual Instagram front end has not been consolidated at all into the Facebook image. I mean, Facebook benefits from the fact that most users don't really think of the two as being one. And it, the fun, really funny thing is that some people actually hate Facebook and know about Facebook's privacy and data problems, and they use Instagram instead. And nothing is really changing on this anti-competition front when it comes to Zuckerberg. Now, here's the thing about all these tech leaders that were brought in front of Congress. They all know that there are two core issues at hand here. There's the anti-competitive behavior piece and the risk that, you know, antitrust action could bring to all of their businesses. And it's obvious that all of these guys know that they are egregiously anti-competitive. You know, they are monopolies of their own respective spaces, really. And that's why they came prepared with all these canned responses. And it was the same for Pichai, for Zuckerberg, for Bezos, all of them, really. And, you know, that's also why they stated in their opening testimonies 
how you know they made their money fair and square and they, they spoke about their rags to riches stories and they underscored how they were all self-made and how they value entrepreneurship and that kind of thing you know but they of course left out the fact that they pretty much all enjoyed generous funding from their wealthy families that they have received government funds you know that they've collaborated with the prison program but other than that sure they're they're totally self-made but the reason they started off by emphasizing this by underscoring their love for you know entrepreneurship was precisely because they wanted to take the focus off of how they are thwarting competition and thwarting entrepreneurs now secondly we have the freedom of speech issues and as i've mentioned on this podcast before big tech wants to maintain the option to pursue their bias and continue censoring but they also want to continue being treated as platforms and you know to some degree it is easier for lawmakers and politicians to deal with monopolies rather than this plethora of long-tail players in the market. Now, if you remember, Google was squarely in the pocket of the Democratic Party in 2016. And I would say that the Dems would probably prefer to deal with the, with the likes of an alphabet rather than trying to influence 100 small media companies to do their bidding and to do their covert campaigning for them, which is in essence what Google did to some degree here. So point being, I don't think there is much of a genuine will to break up big tech, at least not on the democratic side. And unfortunately, there wasn't anything all that explosive in this hearing. Certainly not nothing that would have facilitated or moved the needle on the antitrust front. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, the U.S. used to be a great market to be in. <laughs> well, it certainly is a great market to be in if you are an established oligarch. But as the disruptive underdog, not so. And looking to one of the few companies that have actually recently managed to innovate and scale and disrupt, that is TikTok. And it looks like, well, it's going to be banned from the U.S. Well, that is if it's not acquired, if it's not forcefully acquired, I should say. I mean, TikTok is problematic for the U.S. for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, the U.S. government does not like it when foreign players siphon off user data and conduct surveillance, which is what they're being accused of, in essence, because they want that power to themselves. And, you know, Trump is proposing that a company such as Microsoft buy it. And but just imagine for a second the context of that sale and the weak position that it puts TikTok in. I mean, if your options are sell or be destroyed, then the acquiring business has an enormous amount of leverage and they can offer to pay you a pittance. And on top of that, Trump even had the audacity to suggest that the US government should get a piece of the action of that sale. I mean, that is mafioso tactics right there. And imagine the president that that sets, by the way. I mean, the US gets to force companies that it dislikes to, you know, sell, to disappear. And not only that, but it gets to carve out a piece of the profits. Now, of course, I don't like the Chinese spying apparatus, but really at some point it's up to the users to choose which apps they want to run on their phone and which apps, well, basically who they want to give their data to. Now, the second problem here for the U.S. is is that the sophistication of the TikTok platform is almost putting American companies to shame. I mean, it's certainly putting Facebook and Instagram and even YouTube to shame. Now, the reason why I say that is this. TikTok is, to a large degree, TikTok is just funny little skits and trivial nonsense. Yes, 
And there's a bit of everything on there, yes, but let's face it, it's mostly frivolous, bogus. But the mechanisms that serve this content, they are far more advanced than what Facebook or Instagram employs. Because with TikTok, I mean, you don't really have to like anything. You don't have to have a tag to describe your content uh, in order for it to be found like you have to do on, on YouTube, for example. You don't really have to try and, you know, SEO hack your titles and your descriptions and beg users to follow you and so forth, which is what Facebook and, and Instagram and YouTube is about. But no, no, no. On TikTok, it's a bit different because TikTok figures out what's in your video. It uses pretty sophisticated image recognition and so forth. And it sort of figures out what type of content you like as well. And that's based on your viewing behavior. Now, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you'll know that I've spoken about how meaningless some of the prominent metrics in social media are. For example, how blunt and dumb the concept of a like is and how it's kind of used and abused on most other social network. But here on TikTok, I think you're starting to see something a little bit different. Now, looking at Instagram in comparison, in terms of the actual content, Instagram is basically, you know, a photo blog. Let's face it. I mean, you're trying to impress people around you with yet another picture of the food you ate or that fancy hotel you stayed at or, you know, some motivational pictures from you early, early on during your morning gym session that you probably hated, by the way. And so it's pretty artificial and it's getting pretty bland, if you ask me. And also the, the value of all these trivial shots has long ago been inflated away, I think. Or certainly there's no novelty or artistry left in it. But I do think TikTok is a little bit different here because the content creation over on that platform, there's much more of a focus on creativity and you know uniqueness and narrative, quite simply. So it's a more challenging format. And I also think it's a more rewarding format. It's a story in the real sense, not in the Instagram sense. It's a story in, in that there is a narrative, there is a sequence, it, it's not just a video clip. So you actually have to think it through and direct it to some degree. You have to actually create, not just snap and post. And you know, actually come to think of it, when digital photography arrived, that kind of destroyed the care that went into taking photographs. Now, what I mean by that is, I mean, if you look at an old photo album, the compositions that you saw were generally quite well-crafted a lot of the time. But then came the 2000s, and then the cost of a snap went to zero, and then, well, basically point and shoot came into play. So we, we gained ease of use, we gained in the sheer cost, or the cost went away, basically, but we did lose in aesthetics and attention to the craft, I think. And I think that exact same thing has happened with social media in a sense. You know, it's so easy to churn out, you know, perfect cappuccino pictures or airbrushed bikini photos or, you know, yet another impeccable shot from a pristine beach with a couple of filters on it. All that is so easy that the sheer quantity of those images have made them kind of lose their value and meaning. You don't actually have to stop and compose and people no longer can really produce engaging, entertaining content. And I think actually Facebook and Zuckerberg in particular, I don't know that he actually gets the entertainment aspect of media. I think, you know, they generally just see it as content, you know, expecting that users will forever come back and be engaged and keep on scrolling endlessly and tirelessly keeping on posting their personal lives for everybody to consume. 
So something is shifting here, especially if you contrast it with TikTok. It's a different beast. So is it a fad and is social media as we know it about to shift altogether? Well, it's certainly not a fad, not with a billion and a half users. It's here to stay, I think. And also, I think social won't change amongst all audiences. You know, this is a new format and it's one that will be more engaging maybe for younger audiences. And it's kind of making Facebook seem pretty uncool. It certainly makes them feel behind the times. Also, if you remember how YouTube was pretty much when it got started, it was a natural response to this overproduced TV format. You know, YouTube was more real, more original. There was a lot more unique content. There's more of everything, really. And I think in a similar way, TikTok represents that same evolution for social. I mean, who cares if the TikTok content is gritty and, you know, raw and over the top and sometimes pointless. It's more fun and it has a more natural and genuine vibe than Facebook. So I think Zuckerberg is, he is finally starting to wake up to what's going on here because he is launching this Instagram Reels feature. So in other words, I mean, he's just basically trying to Zuck yet another business. He, he's just basically trying to copy what somebody else has already launched successfully. Now it's gonna be interesting to see him try to steal yet another idea. But one thing that you can't steal is the user base. You certainly can't steal the culture of an ecosystem just like that. It's gonna be fun to see him try though. Now, by the way, some listeners have suggested that I'm all about shutting down Facebook or Google or Instagram or YouTube or Twitter and so forth. Not so, I mean, if you wanna use Facebook, use Facebook, but as a user, just be wary of the data that you give away. And by the way, as for the actual ads, you know, Facebook ads, let's face it, they are powerful. I'm not categorically against using them. They are first party ads. I guess Facebook gets to show whatever kind of ads they want on their own platform. But if you're using a normal browser, I would suggest that you always assume that everything you do on every site within the Facebook portfolio is shared with Mark Zuckerberg. And by the way, also remember that Zuck thought about his end users as dumb fucks, as he called them, as he so eloquently put it in his own words back in the day. So in other words, proceed with caution. But if you gain value out of it, you know, continue using it, I guess. But I don't want Facebook to die necessarily. So getting back to where we started here, the US is in essence protecting its own big tech industry. Or at the very least, it's certainly not cracking down on them much because they all get away with pretty egregious anti-competitive behavior. And that's not going to change anytime soon, especially not if you look at this recent congressional hearing. Now, meanwhile, these new entrants, such as TikTok, they have the rug pulled out from under them and they're treated pretty brutally actually. So in other words, nothing's really gonna shake up the oligopoly in the US tech sector anytime soon. And what I think that means is that U.S. is no longer the best place to be necessarily if you're looking to produce truly disruptive technology and truly innovate. Because this TikTok ban, it is setting a precedent. And now it adds yet one more geopolitical risk to any new tech company that seeks to enter the U.S. or God forbid, base themselves in the U.S. But here's the thing, post-corona, you don't necessarily have to be in the U.S. You certainly don't have to be in the Valley anymore. And you know, post quantitative easing forever, seeking US funding to begin with may not be that obvious place to go for funding and investment. Anyway, what do you think? Do you think Trump should have the right to shut down and force businesses into liquidation, which is what he's about to do with TikTok? 
Do you think that TikTok will help or hurt the tech ecosystem, by the way? Are you on TikTok? Let me know what you think. And by the way, if you have suggestions for future topics for me to cover, you can email me on podcast at nyman.media. That's podcast at nyman.media. And as always, thanks for listening. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. If you want to comment on an episode, suggest a topic, or you want to support the podcast, visit nyman.media slash podcast. That's N-Y-M-A-N dot media slash podcast. You can also help out by leaving a review wherever you're listening from. And thanks for listening.